Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films, a podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. Uh, Keith, my loyal co-host, is with me as always. Snoochie Boochies, hello! Uh, that's a new one, Keith. Are you trying that head on today? I was trying to, I was going to do something Silent Bob and I realized I wouldn't be saying anything, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, well, before we get into all that, let's uh, bring in our guest for today, our friend Bobby Torino. Welcome back, Bobby. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah, no problem. Um, so uh, the one we're going to discuss today with Bobby is the 1999 comedy Dogma. Yes, and uh, Keith, I was actually going to do a uh, silent Bobby bit, but yeah, that would require me not to talk, so that wouldn't have worked <laughs> at all. Yeah, as a pure like audio medium, that sort of thing <laughs> won't work. So our viewers will just have to imagine we're imitating physically silent bob's mannerisms uh but speaking of which so dogma falls under the category of having a mixed score from critics and a positive score from audiences so the critics consensus provocative and audacious dogma is an uneven but thoughtful religious satire that's both respectful and irreverent uh so I respectful and irreverent. Uh, that's interesting. I feel like this movie is very um, of the times, right? Like it's like the '90s take on religion. It's it's. I mean, it's got like all like the '90s comedians in there. It's got that '90s sort of attitude. It's about as um, progressive as a '90s raunchy comedy can be. In a weird, yeah. And I'm and I'm saying that because no, there are things that have not held <laughs> in that movie. No, but I was surprised. Like I was actually, I was. I guess I was clutching my pearls a little bit, but um, it, it turned out that it was it was far more, you know, thoughtful and progressive than I remembered. But I I grew up I lo- I was growing I grew up loving this movie, and I think I now after watching it last night, I totally agree with that consensus. Everything down to the uneven part, but I'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I watched this a few times when I was much younger in the few years after it had come out, and uh, I don't know how, what's the last time I watched this movie, but I was enjoying the rewatch. I agree. I'm like, ooh, late 90s. Let's see if anything aged poorly. But I think for the most part, uh, it, it, it holds up. I mean, there are certainly other comedies of the era that aged much worse than this. That's... So, it's not the best, you know, point of comparison because most, yeah, movies of that time just sort of threw around, threw around the hard F word like it was water. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's, it's actually refreshing to see a comedy of that time, you know, have normalized, you know, LGBTQIA humor. It's not um, more so like it's still like it's not all the way there yet. I wouldn't call it like, you know, this is this is progressive, progressive, but it's it's certainly a step. A lot of yeah, I think it's it's yeah, I mean, it's nothing I would say is particularly like overly offensive or anything. It's just, um, yeah, we, we'll get into I think that's that they touch on it a little bit here and there, uh, but it's like kind of par for the course of the times. Uh, but I think that's like um, – I don't think that takes away from a lot of the messages that I do like from this movie and some of the other things Kevin Smith is getting across. 
But Keith, what about you? I mean, this, had you watched this also when you were much younger? And when, when do you think the last time is that you saw Dogma? This was the first ever movie I've ever watched on HBO. Uh, I went over to a friend's house and he had HBO and he was like, have you ever seen this movie? And I'm like, no. And I, I think Kevin Smith for me in the nineties and early two thousands when blockbuster was a thing was a match made in heaven. This felt like I was seeing an old friend from school and that friend still is saying the hard R word. (laughs) Like he's like, it's, it's, it's nice to see him, but he's still. I, I, I still enjoyed it. I actually, I, I, with Dogma, I actually, it was nice to go back to, and I wish it was more. I wish it was on somewhere streaming or HBO, and there's actually like Weinstein licensing deals. Like this is actually a hard movie to find, it's but we found it. Uh, yeah, because yeah, this is, I would say, this is one of the more. I would say aside from Clerks, which I think is his best, this one is the most rewatchable. Like you can go back to, and it is uneven. It is like, it is flawed. And I would say it has that nineties, uh, teen or mid comedy budget look to it. If you know what I mean? And, and I, I think it went through those, uh, production problems I, uh, Selma Hayek just being gone, like leaving for the movie and then coming back. And I, there was a reason for that, but, uh, I, I think it's clever. I actually like for a kid who went to Catholic school, I actually think it's, it's clever than it has any more right to be like, uh, like metric. I had no idea what some of these, like, I had no idea what like the hierarchy of angels or I don't know. It did something very clever while also, I don't want to say uneven tone, but you know, Jay and Silent Bob are in it, and they added a, 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 a they added a, a fun to it that maybe the movie needed, where they had a low end protagonist. That I like Jay and Silent Bob. I actually think you know when they have their place with this movie. Yeah. I I wouldn't even say that they were frankly the like the issue with the unevenness, but I suppose like now that you mention it, it, it kind of comes to whether this movie wanted to be a silly stoner comedy or whether it wanted to be like a darker, uh, a dark comedy at points. And I, and I think it sort of struggled to find that, um, that medium because there are, there are scenes where it, it, it's, it's, it's almost like slapstick stoner humor. Um, and then there are scenes that are like, grim and violent and it's not that you can't have those you know in the same movie obviously we have deadpool now and a a ton of like violent you know absurd comedies but it felt like this one needed a little bit more of a cohesiveness to it and maybe and and maybe that's it right there keith maybe it's like the the cinematography which felt you're right like it had like this sort of low rent 90s look to it whereas i felt like a film of this nature maybe actually could have used a, a bigger budget especially maybe the uh, the ending scenes and it's not like it's that big of a deal it, obviously with kevin smith he's more dialogue driven anyway it just felt like some scenes 
in particular, like my favorite scene of the film is the movies scene, and it doesn't even really truly feel connected to the rest of the movie. That's so good. Uh, in terms of like the plot, like it doesn't really push the movie forward that much. Um, it does show Loki sort of like before his uh, you know turn of heart or a change of heart, I should say. But it's um, it it's like the best. It's the best scene in the movie, and it just doesn't feel like. Like it gels with the rest of it. There's some like dark things that are addressed in that particular scene. So the movie thing, right? Because this is the view askew universe, if I'm saying that properly, like Mm -hmm. Kevin Smith's uh, cinematic universe, which maybe this is the first cinematic universe before Marvel. Uh, But, you know, it's it's a recurring thing. A lot of these movies, this fictional franchise of a cartoon cow called movie. Right. And so they're. They have that boardroom scene and the two angels, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, go in there. And you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are calling out all these really atrocious things that these board members have done that, you know, it's it's played not as heavy as the subject matter they're talking about, which I think they kind of get away with. And then the end, it ends in a very dark way, right? Like the violence in this movie is kind of played off in a humorous way where it's not as... You don't really realize the gravity of it, especially like at the end too, when they're killing all the people at the church and you get a sense that like, you know, a few dozen people were killed, but uh, again, it's, it's not really played at, as that serious. I think for me, the dialogue is what I enjoyed the most. And again, that's what Kevin Smith's strength is. I really enjoyed the conversations this movie had about, race in the Bible, gender in the Bible. I think those are like the strongest ideas of the film and kind of the point of the movie is to have those discussions. So I, I enjoyed those the most. Yeah. And then in terms of like the set pieces, there's like some action sequences in this movie that feel like the cadence of a lot of other movies at the time. You know, you have like your, your train fight scene, you have like some scenes with some special effects, the crap monster. And I think those were used to sort of break up the film. It's like you have these scenes of dialogue, but then in the middle you have these set pieces that uh, it's almost like a certain rhythm that the movie is is using to as a framework that I feel like a lot of other movies at the time were using. So it's it definitely seems, even though it could have used a higher budget, it still seems like a very produced sort of movie, if that makes sense. It, like it yeah. definitely feels like it's coming from a studio. The most uh, studio-feeling Kevin Smith film at the time, absolutely. Exactly. Like in terms of like even like the way it's scored, it it has that sort of conventionality to it. Whereas say like where he first started, Clerks, that's a very indie feeling movie, and it's interesting to see uh, that that progression. I mean, that's like a sign that he became a successful director and was getting backed up with with more support. So I mean, that's in one. That's like a you know, it's it's like a blessing and a curse in a way. While it has been a time-honored symbol of our faith, Holy Mother Church has decided to retire this highly recognizable yet wholly depressing image of our Lord crucified. Christ didn't come to earth to give us the willies. He came to help us out. He was a booster. And it's with that take on our Lord in mind that we've come up with a new, more inspiring sigil. So it is with great pleasure that I present you with the first of many revamps the Catholicism Wild campaign will unveil over the next year. I give you the Buddy Christ. I think it's interesting too, Keith, you mentioned in the notes that this story was something that Kevin Smith 
had written, but he wanted to wait till he could do the effects properly. I think also it's something that maybe he needed a studio supporting to do. I don't think you could really do this film and everything the movie's trying to do with that sort of same indie feel that Clerks has. You need like a studio support to accomplish everything. It does have that young energy to it. And what I mean by like the idea uh, was spawned before Clerks, but his writing about religion does like you mentioned it before, JJ, the writing Kevin Smith's writing has always been like his strength in all of his movies or it, most of his movies. I'll say he directed this in his late twenties, maybe early thirties. I, I was doing the math on this. Just curious. Like he, he's around our age and I can imagine there is that like young energy about religion. Like this isn't written by a 40 year old, 50 year old scholar. And I'm kind of happy it wasn't <laughs> like it would be very like, I don't know. He made an entertaining religious movie and I really haven't seen a movie like that since. Well, yeah, the consensus said something about um, the Rotten Tomatoes consensus said something about respecting uh, religion as well. And yes. honestly, I, I get that. I get, you know, Catholicism. Wow. Is a huge shot at, you know, modern Catholicism. I totally get that. And the movie does like to crap on Christianity, but it's uh, also, I do like his takeaway. I do like that faith shouldn't be determined by organized religion. And to those who are religious, I, I'm personally, like I, I, I might have mentioned earlier, I'm agnostic. I know that's a <laughs> choose something, right? No. Um, Bobby, I wish you mentioned that before you brought you on the podcast. I know. <laughs> but I, I've never been really like, religiously driven but i do respect people who you know who are faith-based and 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 sort of you know see the so the sort of the positive redeeming qualities about having you know spirituality rather than you know those who are like obeying doctrines and <laughs> and what the fundamentalists say i it's I, I think it's a it's a nice takeaway, but at times I get it. Sort of does feel a little too. Um, I don't want to say it's because it's not like like pompous or anything or pretentious, but it, it definitely. Uh, um, <laughs> it, right, right. It's it, not. It's like not a college level take on theology, almost. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's like a relatability to it, especially with the main character, uh, you know, um, the Bethany character, Linda Florentino. I think she does a good job conveying that struggle between wanting to be religious but not really having that that faith within you, and just going to church as the routine. Right. Uh, I think the movie is it's affectionate in a way where it. Yeah, I mean, the movie is positing that this is a world where, like, there was an Adam and Eve and, you know, there's you know, all, all those theological things actually happened, right? So it's not a movie that's saying, like, this is dumb, it's not real. It is it is affection. I feel like almost in the same vein as, like, a Book of Mormon, right? Yes, it's saying, yeah. basically, you know, there are a lot of great things about being faithful and a lot of good morals that come from that, but the the how rigid... Uh, the structure of organized religion is has so many drawbacks that that can sometimes overshadow the good of just you know religion and I will like you know the general faith the idea of just being generally faithful can have so 
I I think that at the end of the day, I I like really appreciate a lot of the messages this movie is saying. I don't, I don't think it's trying to be super groundbreaking. I think it's just trying to have just like someone's um, like the director. I think that he's just trying to get his honest opinions about it, and it, it feels very honest to me. So yeah. I, I, in that respect, I think the movie is successful in conveying not really an offensive, but just like some food for thought on religion. And I, I think only the people who are like super, uh, like the evangelical crowd, anytime you make any movie about religion, they get up in arms. Of I course. think that's made pro- probably where the controversy came. But if you're like a regular going Catholic, you probably can resonate with some of the things in this film. The, the fun is coming from inside the house. I think Kevin Smith was also a Catholic schoolboy. Uh, like, oh, I, didn't so, know that. I, I, I feel like you have to be brought up in that religion to really be that kind of critical. Of, look at it with that eye. Like you're allowed to critique it, uh, but you're all like, but you're kind of viewing it the same way you are, Bobby. Like people are like, there is a way to find faith outside of organized religion. But I like. I didn't. I would guess that he went to Catholic school. Maybe not, or maybe his parents went to church. But that already seems very knowledgeable about the subject. I mean, he he did his research. And when I the research that I did do, like I think the Catholic League and all those people who were protesting, which only I don't even know why people do that in general, because you're only going like you're only going to. It's the Barbara Streisand effect. You're only going to drive people to the theater just out of curiosity alone. But those people did not even see the movie to begin with. Right. That sometimes happens with any sort of controversial material where there are people who are just protesting the idea of it. They just maybe have the wrong idea about what it is or have just seen the trailers and they don't like even the idea of it. They won't even give it a chance. And who knows? It's a shame because if you see it, maybe you'll realize that it's maybe not as offensive as you imagine it to be. Um, I, I also, I mean, we were mentioning like the era of when this movie was made, the 90s. It's it's so of the late 90s that I was actually really getting a kick out of it, especially in terms of the casting. I mean, you have like, you know, Janine Garofalo has a small part, right? You get Chris Rock has a big part. And this is like just a few years after his career has really blown up. Uh, you know, I, I like Linda Florentino in this. Uh, I think the whole cast really works. Oh, and then George Carlin. I mean, I'm a huge George Carlin fan, and this was a part that was perfect for him. I can imagine this is something right up his alley because he didn't do a ton of movies, but it was cool to see him when he did do a movie. And this is something I can imagine that as soon as it was pitched to him, he was like, "Oh yeah, done. I'm I'm there. Like, count me in." Absolutely. I also thought Alanis Morissette was an inspired ch- uh, casting choices. Yes, the, that was God. so funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. we're missing the best. Alan, Alan Rickman absolutely destroyed in this i agree like that that is the role that you walk out and he had fun but i love that the i had no idea what the metronon was before all this and kevin smith did his research the voice of god god does not talk we're like there's something and to have alan rickman be the voice is so i don't know inspired yeah exactly like this movie took some big chances and i I, th- I think the only movie I can think to compare it to is like the Da Vinci Code, and so far Dogma is definitely on my list of like a movie about religion that's fun to watch. 
it is fun. It's very rewatchable. I mean, also, yet a very young Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Just, I think it's had to be just. They're like out of Goodwill, yeah. Goodwill Hunting, yeah. Right, right after Goodwill Hunting. (laughs) They're they've really blown up too at this point. I think the story is a. It feels like a very complete, well thought out story. There's like a. I don't want to say like a lot going on, but I I like seeing the different storylines between. You know, the two angels and their crusade and then like, you know, the main group of characters and their journey. It, it felt like very complete and a very uh, smart story, especially with the beginning. They set up that old man and you find that at the end, you know, that it was God. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed like he really uh, fleshed out the story uh, a few times. And maybe it's a good thing that he waited on it. Maybe that gave him enough time maybe to maybe he revised it a few times over the years because uh, it just it, the story itself seemed pretty uh, seamless to me. Yeah, no, it's uh, like the the idea of the last scion and like the the loophole. The like it, I don't know. It, yeah. it, it's it it's very clever for. I'm not saying uh, Kevin Smith isn't clever, but it's it's very clever for a stoner movie. I don't know if I'd even call this a stoner uh, well, movie. Well, Viewers really. I mean, is like a stoner universe. Like I, you think of Jay and Silent Bob, and like yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it's not a stoner movie, but a, a, a '90s comedy. I'll say. How about that? How about it's that? not a stoner comedy, but it definitely was marketed as as one. Um, case well, in point: the the poster um, is a creation, but it's passing a joint. So, yeah, I, I mean that's. I've mentioned a few times, especially in recent episodes, my gripe with how some movies are marketed, especially again, like Kevin Smith clerks was a big hit. You know, he comes out with mall rats and I, there is, I think one other movie chasing Amy, I think it was also, or was that a couple years after this? Or that was his third, uh, that was dog, uh, dogma's the fourth. Yep. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I guess he had built a certain reputation. And so the marketing team is going off of what they know people liked about his previous films. And this is, this is very different from what he had done before. I mean, yes, he has the Jay and Silent Bob characters in there, and maybe some of the humor is is in a similar tone, but it's I feel like this is a step up in terms of maturity for the subject matter he's tackling. And uh, yeah, it's 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 philosophical in a lot of ways, in in a way that you normally would not get in a stoner comedy. But then it's again, philosophical Clerks, enough. Clerks too. I mean, Clerks also has Clerks as well, I should say, not the movie Clerks too, but Clerks as well. And that's like a movie also driven through dialogue and getting like you know people's just takes on all different kinds of subjects. But I, yeah, he, he I think Kevin Smith really likes to dive into his characters' perspectives on all different kinds of subjects. And so like you know, like you even said, like with Chasing Amy, um, it's it's a it, it's dialogue driven and it, and it actually talks it talks about uh, themes and it has philosophy and and beliefs and ideals behind characters and i really like that about a lot of his characters and a lot of his screenplays i think this where this film needed to be tightened up for me in in order to have kind of maybe shave that unevenness was to sort of maybe even decide whether if it was going to be more like I said before, if it was going to be a darker comedy or if it was going to be a stoner comedy and not saying that those two can't merge and find, the, uh, you know, a meeting point in the Venn diagram because it did. It, for the most part, it was successful. But I do think that sometimes the inclusion of Jay and Silent Bob, while I do really like them, it does 
feel a little and also my, yeah like almost like my my issue with chasing amy like it does it does feel a little forced um it's not like those characters couldn't have they could have had still had stoner characters be in the role but then just being jay and silent bob sometimes took me out of the film um especially in the scenes that were you know that we're trying to um that we're trying to more or less shock i think with the scene with the uh, the movie the movie's uh, board getting murdered for all of the terrible things that they do um that is like i'm going to just go back to that scene for a second because i think it's the best film in this uh in the entire movie and yet sometimes it, when i think back to it, it it feels a little disconnected and yeah. it like I, I think it, it does show that loki uh wants to be uh you know it shows that loki is sort of just chaotic and wants to you know remove the sinners <laughs> from the world um but it's it just feels like that right there that whole scene could have been an entirely different film and it's sort of the movie i wanted to see because every time the the movie focuses on um bartleby and loki matt damon and ben affleck it's far more interesting to me i, I think the the idea there sort of could have lent to a horror comedy that I know now Kevin Smith is pretty apt at doing that scene. Um, like you were saying, like these are terrible people, like you want them to die, <laughs> but they set the, the tension in that scene. The way that Kevin Smith builds the tension is, is actually very, it's very palpable. It, it, you, you, you're like, Oh man, like these people are going to get their just desserts and it's going to be pretty horrific. And yeah, with the voodoo doll, especially, even though, you know, nothing's going to happen. That voodoo doll I, is even, I still, don't believe like, in voodoo. And yeah. I, and, and I was just thinking like, this is such a well made scene. Like I'm, it's tense. It's scary. It sort of reminded me of like how he did Tusk. I know Tusk is talk about a divisive movie. You should talk about Tusk one day on this podcast. Oh my God. Cause talk about a divisive movie. I actually like that movie quite a bit too, because it, I feel like Kevin Smith sort of understood like how to blend horror and comedy in a way that was effective. And that one scene in dogma, it should have was almost like a progenitor to that that his forte into that genre it's so compelling it's so intense it's disturbing even like i said like even like you hate these people but them getting shot up and seeing the blood getting splattered all over the wall with the ironic movies soundtrack playing in the background is very well done horror comedy and i wish the movie leaned more into that tone one thing I noticed about this scene on this, you know, th- 31 years into it, I when Ben Affleck sneezes or uh, whoever sneezes, uh, like they look around right, to see if anyone's saying God bless you. And I never caught that until later on. Yeah, yeah. That pays off at the end of the scene. I think, yeah, with that scene, I was thinking of like the right sort of term for it. I feel like that kind of humor, it's like sadistic humor, especially with. The blood splattering on the door handles and the the very light movie cartoon music, like you said, it has that sadistic humor that we saw maybe like you know, in the '90s and so forth. And I feel like that is that is very throughout those uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon scenes. And what was really interesting too is that those characters, their dialogue is interesting, but it's so unique because of who they are as characters. They are these biblical fallen angels. 
and they are talking about really wild subject matter, and they're openly talking about killing people and in, in public of, around other people. <laughs> Very Tarantino-esque. <laughs> yeah, and they're just yeah, they're constantly having other characters or like you know these background characters react to them like horrifically because of what they're talking about, and they're so fearless because they're angels. Like, what's going to happen to them? They don't care. You know, with the exception of Miss Price here, there isn't a decent human being amongst you. Not one. Do you know what makes a human being decent? Fear. And therein lies the problem. None of you has anything left to fear anymore. You rest comfortably in seats of inscrutable power, hiding behind your false idol, far from judgment, lives shrouded in secrecy, even from one another. But not from God. Yeah, so the, those that part of the film, or maybe like that half of the film, right, because it goes back and forth, I agree. It's it's um, it's a bit more. It's a bit more of like a dark humor, whereas you get more of like that. I don't want to say wacky humor, but you get, yeah, it's like you a get bit more... shit monster, which is great. But you get shit <laughs> yeah. monster like scenes later, and it, it just doesn't feel like it's the same type of humor. Not to, I'm not trying to like criticize like you know Kevin Smith or you should have a consistent comedy all the way through, but it's it's really really fascinating how that movie could have been so much darker and i just feel like with loki's turn to like all he does is smoke weed with jay and silent bob and suddenly like he's all about humanity like again funny in a in a comedy where jay and silent bob are the leads but i don't really feel like they were in this movie they were uh they, you know they are in uh integral to the plot and the story but I felt like well, these, these could have been stoners still, but it's just them being Jay and Silent Bob still. <laughs> well, I'm going to – you got me thinking. Uh, I'm trying uh, – I mean, I'm not I'm, – I think I'm trying to find an answer. I'm not trying to, like, defend or condone it. I Because you got me thinking of, like, this is – Kevin Smith was definitely, like, the indie hit boy of – the it boy of the 90s. Like you really kind you like you come out the gate with uh, Sundance, uh, with Clerks, and uh, you know we're gonna have to mention them. The Weinstein's pick you up and give you a film career, and you have some lows, and even your lows become cult classics in terms of box office, and you have some really good, like, like Chasing Amy. I still think is you know even though we kind of moved on it moved uh beyond it in terms of the conversation the lgbtq plus a i'm getting it wrong i'm probably but they regard it highly as like it's it's part of the the that community it's part of the that club and or i don't know it's uh but with dogma this is his fourth film i bet he's asking i wonder if he asked himself like do i have to put jay and silent bob in this uh yeah that's a good point i i was thinking actually watching this are they necessary to the movie? And I think I could tell that he worked in ways that they contributed to the outcome of various scenes, even if it was inadvertently. So, for example, when they steal the Cardinals golf club, right, that helps them defeat the demon played by Jason Lee, right, because it's, uh, you know, it's it's like a holy blessed club right like there's different ways where i think he he invented ways for them to be more important to the plot and not just two guys who are making jokes and maybe just as comedic relief so at yeah it's 
at like a touchstone of his movies. Maybe it's something that maybe he questioned, but it it's I don't know. I kind of get a kick out of how they're in all these different adventures throughout all these different. I know it's movies. like it's a it's a. I don't know if it's a catch twenty two or maybe it's like the the reverse of that. He I think he also wanted to keep an eye and still hang out with Jason Mewes, who has been open with his struggles, um, and I think was I think has even said this was that like he was at his worst uh with his addiction during this movie. Uh but I you know, if they were two stoner characters, people might have said, Hey, but you're this Jay and Silent Bob guy. Why didn't you put Jay and Silent Bob in? It's kind of interesting that this movie is in the the view askew universe, and you really, you know, I I think only Alanis Morissette pops up at the end credits of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Like I don't think this movie, no other character is popping up. I know Banky and Brody pop up in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Holden pops up. Randall, like they all, like everyone. There's definitely a connection throughout all the movies. Except, and this one kind of seems like a mature outlier. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe I don't want to say like the black sheep of the group because that implies <laughs> something negative. But yeah, I, I agree. It's it's it stands out in terms of its subject matter. And it's the black lamb of God. Ooh, <laughs> appropriately enough. Uh, that, that that was like interesting too. Some of the ideas. I think they introduced in this movie were ahead of its time. Like the idea of Jesus being black. I don't think I really heard that in a mainstream conversation until many years later, that idea. Cause I think at the time, maybe it was like sort of a lesser known idea that at least he wasn't white, but at the same time, people were not going to really talk about that or be willing to even entertain the idea that Jesus was black. And then now, like, I think by the time I was out of college, I, I I think that sort of idea was picking up steam. Again, at least the idea of him not being white. So something like that, uh, I think this movie was a little bit ahead of the curb with yes, And, and it, it, that's like a risky thing to bring out. I don't, I don't oh, think no, people I, really... I, I agree. I think it's always... What I've always found this film's strength to be is its sort of challenging and subversive humor, right? But not even just with theology and not even with uh, with its religious takes. I think sometimes I was even on rewatch. There was one joke that was really funny, um, completely subverted my expectations on how the outcome was going to come. And it's such a small moment too, and it's that it's in that um, that candy girl moment with uh, serendipity dancing, um, and. It's a silly scene, but when they're all like, you know, competing for her, you know, her affection with money and they keep like, you know, up one upping with a with a larger sum of money and you see the other gang he with Jay and Silent Bob are competing with. And again, these are like a moment that feels so disconnected, but it's still funny. So I got to give it credit. And like. He looks so angry, like he like he's telling like his his uh his other gang members and his <laughs> and his loyal confidants to like get more money, and he's just like he looks so angry. And in the next like, and you obviously expect like there to be a confrontation, and in the next scene, they're all just dancing, and I think that's just like a just like a nice, funny little moment I never noticed before because you obviously also, expect like, it to break <laughs> to in the fight. same scene and in the same in the same scenario there too. I like also the moment after like. Yeah, you know, that gang tries to fight the poop monster, and I guess they're all like knocked out or killed or whatever. And then 
Jay is like, well, I guess we have to lead the gang now. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it, it is still effectively funny, but like that kind of humor, right? It's it's more, gosh, it's it's. I think that's more conventional humor, right, compared to like the darker humor you have in the Bartleby Loki plot. Uh, which again, I don't mind each I, on their own. I like I'm on board with both. Yeah. And you're I don't think I really thought about that dichotomy between the two different storylines un- until you mentioned it. And again, yeah, you're right. It's not a criticism, but I can imagine maybe you could have had a whole movie just following Bartleby and Loki and that probably could have worked to you on its own. I do think that um they're both I think I like both stories. And the way that they're connected at the end of the day, I think it's it's well done. I just yeah, think it was that, unexpected yeah. on the train scene, right? It was like, oh, okay, like now they're just together. It, I I, like I that. liked that. I actually I was going to mention the train scene. I do like, even though it, it's a, <laughs> I guess Loki changes after a joint with Jay and Silent Bob. But I guess when you think about it, having a Jay with Jay and Silent Bob might fix all. <laughs> might fix he all. He mellowed out. <laughs> he mellowed out after that, yeah, and then Bartleby changes for the worse, right? He goes the other direction. I did like that, and is yeah. and is more extreme. So. It's um, it's something that I think I first was questioning after watching that. Like, wow, they seem to really change all of a sudden. But I guess they both have like a moment on that train that totally um, changes the trajectory of of where they're going emotionally. So uh, it's yeah, it's subtle, but I think for the for the purpose of the story and then the Barbie character taking center stage as the villain, I'm, I I get it. I think with that. That train scene and the scene that actually follows afterwards, where they're in a they're in a parking lot and they're sort of talking about, you know, now they're they're how, how like the um, how the tides are sort of turning and they're having a bit of a role switch with their philosophies. That that scene was important, and I guess when I was a kid, I just maybe I just I don't know completely forgot about that scene. But I always felt the same way, JJ. I always felt like that turn was a little jarring, but it's it's actually not as jarring as I thought and when I think about it, it's, it, it makes sense. And I think that train scene and the scene right after is, are really strong because it does eventually connect those two plot lines. We're, we are forgetting. And, and I think actually this is kind of important to the unevenness of it. While, uh, while Ben Affleck and Matt Damon knocked out of the park, Asriel is also the, like, he's the, the spark of the bat. Like he is, the bad guy that inspires it. And I kind of, as much, I really enjoyed Jason Lee in like all of Kevin Smith. That's where he kind of really broke through as an actor and really shined. But, uh, but I, I wish Asriel was more, to, it took me once again, this rewatch, I had no idea that Asriel was a muse. Oh, I think I remember that though, from a previous viewing. Cause I just remember that dialogue he has in the bar scene at the end with, uh, um, serendipity about how he was a coward and didn't fight and was therefore punished. I, I think I remember that part of um, for some I reason that stuck out to me. And I remember he he was he was no, he was amused as well. Yeah, he was, he was amused. Like, I, was I, I must have missed that line. He like I I totally missed that he was amused and he chose the wrong side and just hated like he'd rather not exist and spend in hell. I always I I got all that except for the muse part. But I just wish like. We had like he was so fun on screen, and it was. I just wish we had a little bit more time to 
I don't know, get to know him. I don't know. He was then the, the way he I goes agree. out, very clever way to go out, but he just goes out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like Jason Lee, for me, I feel like he, he was maybe like overplaying it a little bit. Uh, but I like the story of his character and his motivations that hell is so bad, he'd rather not exist. And that is what's driving him. And I, I, I dig all that. I do think it was funny, though, some of the little lines he has. Like in that one scene, they're in like I don't know, a Walmart or something. He's like talking to the angels and he's like, Oh yeah, I told them I was up on a routine exorcism. That that line for some reason stuck out to me because I'm like, oh, did they have like a schedule of just of exorcisms? Like, all right, Azriel, 3 p.m. on Friday, you go up, you you possess this person or something. I don't know. Like that that I thought was a little funny, but um, for the most part, I think his physicality is um, a bit over the top at times. You know what's funny? I just learned this. Adam Sandler was originally going to play Azriel. Wow. Okay, I did not know that. I did know that uh, that Jason Lee was originally supposed to be Bartleby. Loki, that, I think. Right. He's supposed to be Loki. Yeah. Okay. He was originally supposed to be Loki, but I don't know. It just makes sense to pair Ben Affleck and Matt Damon together, just because you know we just knew them from Goodwill Hunting, and and you know they're um they already have that chemistry established with each other. So I, I think that, that it was destined that they would play those parts. I wonder how Adam Sandler would have played. Uh, as real you say overplayed i think you <laughs> adam no, sandler would have yeah. went uh maybe we would never have gotten little nicky maybe maybe oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah man I, I, or maybe he would have done as real as little Nicky. that's what i'm thinking i i I, ah. I know i'm a little late to like just the like it took me years uh to realize like what the muse was like oh I it, like I am an abstract thought, and I I found a body. Like I I never got that. And granted, this is like, to, it's like I I watched this when I was like seven or eight. I you know you come for Jane Silent Bob, but you stay I guess for the for the religious philosophical discussions. But I just never and also I'm happy. The... It's so clever. It's very clever. Yeah, and then also you stay for these sort of things you didn't know about what you know Jesus and so forth. You know, quote unquote things you didn't know. So the fact that there was a thirteenth apostle and he Chris Rock great. explaining, you know, Chris Rock kind of going on about what his life was like as an apostle and his relationship with Jesus. That was all funny. Or even you know Alan Rickman just the, the explanations of the mythology and seeing it come into play. I found very entertaining. I think at times it was a bit exposition-y, but I didn't mind because the actors, especially like Alan Rickman, are so charming, and they added, yeah, they they made it interesting enough that it didn't feel like just an exposition dump. There were things happening, and the actors are so good that it 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 worked. You know, because you have to explain it, you have to have, you know, you have to show it, but at the same time, you have to lay out the rules, and it, they did it in a way that that worked. What's he like? He likes to listen to people talk. Christ loved to sit around the fire and listen to me and the other guys. You know, whenever we are going on about unimportant shit, he always had a smile on his face. His only real beef with mankind is the shit that gets carried out in his name. Wars, bigotry, televangelism. The big one, though, is the factioning of all the religions. He said mankind got it all wrong by taking a good idea and building a belief structure on it. 
You're saying having beliefs is a bad thing? I just think it's better to have ideas. I mean, you can change an idea. Changing a belief is trickier. So, I mean, personally, I feel like I'm higher on this than the critics. I, I thought, you know, maybe this, I, I was going to go into it and maybe it wouldn't age well for me. But for the most part, I think I was enjoying it just as much as I did when I was younger. And I might want to rewatch it again. I feel like if this was on Netflix, for example, I would probably put it on every now and then. It would probably be like a top Netflix movie. It's a shame that there's that whole, you know, ownership thing that that makes it very difficult to watch because otherwise this is a very rewatchable movie and it would be probably one people go back to a lot. I think we just need more like comedies like this. I don't know, or, or movies like this. Maybe not even uh like well it's a comedy with an idea yeah, exactly right or a bunch of ideas really but it's a comedy that is writing some really strong ideas and you know comedy there's there's it's really funnily written and you get obviously like familiar characters and you just you, i mean you're also bringing in a bunch of comedians who are doing their thing i think you know chris rock is kind of doing his chris rock thing he had to be the mean? guy again, to tell you i thought he was the most appropriate actor to tell you that jesus was black I also I thought his his line about we only know about characters from the Bible because of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was and all the lore we know is just because we are you know, we watch, you know, and take in all this media. I thought that was very funny. And there's yeah. there's a lot of great jokes, a lot of just fun fun stabs at religion. Like I said before, yes, a little uneven uh, with the humor, but the scatological humor, the stoner comedy, and the dark comedy, they all land in their respective moments. So it, it actually, it all works. Um, maybe in hindsight, it doesn't gel the way I like I would want it to, but nothing's perfect. <laughs> so Right, yeah. I mean, I think it's 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 solid, I would say. Yeah, you know, inconsistencies here and there. But what comedy doesn't yeah. have you know, not every joke can not every joke is a home run. I mean, yeah, for me, the poop monster thing, that was also very I feel like the late nineties, early two thousand comedies around that time, oh all of them for some reason had some poop humor in them. I don't know why something either something with butts or something with poop i think even like roger ebert had a gripe about it at the time like what like why why do i feel like you know i'm always going to like the colonoscopy um office when i'm like watching comedies <laughs> and uh yeah it was like an, it, it was like a weird trend at the time that sort of fits in but yeah that's like the one thing that maybe felt like you know i didn't i didn't like just because like i don't know i don't like poop humor personally they made it kind of work with you know why why there is <laughs> sorry i guess i'm too highbrow to enjoy a classic poop joke sorry uh but everything else i thought was um was it was enjoyable i think the last bit um, i want to add is just i thought we mentioned it before but Alanis morissette was like perfect as god like or at least how they hand how god was handled like the answer what is yeah. the meaning of life i'm just, like like that's that's <laughs> I a it's funny, but it's also like a really good response to that. I was a cute. She's a cute god. She is a cute god. I, <laughs> I like the things like the other characters say about Jesus and about God, like how God has a really good sense of humor, or about how Jesus just likes to listen to people talk. They kind of made them feel like, you know, more normal people. Humanity. In a way. They brought the humanity to these, you know, these people that we we put so much 
importance and emphasis on our lives. Even us, uh, us three who are, you know, we're not as obviously, we don't, I, I don't want to speak for anyone here, but we don't see him as uh, Christian, <laughs> nah. bet hellbent Christians. <laughs> but the I, thing is, we are, you know, we are so, you know, how do I say? We are just, it's force fed to us, you know, like it's in this nation, obviously, too. It's just these, this yeah, imagery, I, the, the, the idea of Jesus and going to church every Sunday and just all like, you know, even this, the debate of state versus, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, like separation. Separation of, 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 of the yeah. church and state. It's just, yeah. it's so ingrained in our society, in our culture that it, we want to we want to make fun of it. It's 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 in us to just make fun of this sometimes. And so many people have, are like like they're clutching their pearls, like I was saying earlier, or they're so against any sort of, any sort of, um. Yeah, I hear you. Anything it, against it, that their beliefs. So when you when they have when they have like these characters, um, talk about you know God and Jesus being like human. For us, for us viewers, it, it gives us it, 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 it. Funnily enough, it gets us on more. It gets us more on board. Yeah. With the ideas of religion, than any other thing could truly. It gets. I think that also just plays into how charming this movie is. You know, like oh, God is like someone who is you know can be funny and stuff like that. That add that humanity, like you're saying, just adds into the levity this movie is bringing. And I think the right amount of levity, because obviously religion is so important to so many people, especially in this country. And if you're going to you know, make humor out of it, I think it, it helps to come from a place of understanding and empathy. For example, like it's easy to come into a com- – to, to tackle religion from sort of like an aggressive way and just kind of crap all over it. I think that's like you can easily take cheap shots – Right. at religion yeah. and that's just gonna really bounce off and and it's just you know, gonna people that's gonna really reasons. piss people off but the, but for the wrong reasons but for you the know, wrong reasons too point. like people are gonna go you're right and they're just gonna be like this was just a stupid comedy whereas we go in you know we're we're expecting that sort of humor and then we walk out being like i i sort of understand why people are spiritual and faithful and if a movie like this can can make you feel that and it can evoke that sense of appreciation as well as being able to to you know take a few shots at it then i think it it does deserve that uh the title of being respectful ironically enough a movie dogma that has it in the title it's about hypocrisy of of religion and yet it, it comes out with a very hopeful message and i like that one that still stands 20, 20 so years after this movie premiered and everything that the Catholic Church has been through. So I think it, it, it still stands the test of time. I do bet, like, I'm willing to bet any uh, religious people who were, like, against the movie at first and then saw the movie had the conversation of, like, you know, there, Agnes, there were bits and pieces that I liked. It actually was kind of interesting. <laughs> I just didn't. The most offensive thing was that Jay character. Like, and, and the they, poop. Like, <laughs> I, I would say, I would say, like, there was some vulgarity in it, but I actually thought they handled the religion. 
this is I'm just imagining like two old ladies seeing this movie while they knit. It just I I don't if people are people you know whenever they hear something that's attack they think that's attacking them they put up their shields and then they realize like are you like are you going to let a like a comedy hey go see it like go go see it because i think maybe someone's telling you like have your own opinion on the matter and then you'll realize it's not that bad. It's actually kind of insightful in a lot, a lot of ways. And even the characters themselves find Jay to be to be offensive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the characters are acknowledging that Jay is a vulgar guy, and that's he's actually... what I like too. Like they're not like they're not like you know they're hyping him up or anything or or you know allowing this behavior to go on. They're always disgusted. They always cut to a character rolling their eyes in disapproval. It's always, he's always in the wrong, which is he's the butt of the joke a yeah, lot of the times, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think too the fact that uh, this movie is empathizing with people who are religious. I think that makes it easier for religious people to laugh because it's like, oh, you, like this movie understands where I'm coming from. Inside baseball, and, it's inside baseball, basically. Yeah. Therefore, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 like because like. You know, for me, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and there are a lot of things that I related to as well. Um, about like, you know, I mean, if anything, I feel like Catholics are probably the kind of Christians that are able to laugh at themselves the most. You know, like, uh, but uh, I could tell, like, just from the tone, this is a guy who like is coming from a place of understanding, and um, it's it's easier to get on board from there. God, there's a million things I wish I could ask you. Most of it all questioning what I'm sure is your great plan, and that would be really arrogant of me. I know. But there is one I need to ask, and I'm sure you get it all the time. How many opportunities like this will I ever get? Why are we here? Didn't I tell you she was funny? Okay, so I think uh, we can now get into our final thoughts, final scores on Dogma. So, uh, Bobby, if you want to uh, get us started off on what your percentage score would be and any final Ooh, thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Let me think about this for a second. Well, as the indecisive agnostic gentleman I am. Uh, let's typical see, typical I... agnostic. Ugh, just choose something. Um, I think... <laughs> God. <laughs> Get it? I, if I don't, I'm going to be getting it. <laughs> I'm going to be getting a whole bunch of it. I think I'm going to give this... I know I was probably maybe in this conversation the most critical on it, but I'm going to give it an, like... It's an 8 out of 10 for me. It's an 80%. It, it, I think it belongs in that territory. Yeah, like I said, there are a few things that are uneven. Maybe don't gel as well as they could. But for a comedy from the late nineties tackling such, you know, heavy themes. I, I think it does a great job of handling it. It is funny. There are likable characters with arcs and that's sometimes like you don't get that a lot in any, in any movie. So there you go. I, I think it does a lot of things right. And it, it does serve as one of the best Kevin Smith productions. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I agree with, with a lot of that. Um, so you took the words out of my mouth, and I have nothing to say. I guess. Clap, clap. 
Uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> see. I guess I'll have to think of something else to say when it's my turn. But uh, 80% for Bobby. Uh, and then what about you, Keith? Uh I'm happy I I'm happy we did this because it, it it's been a while since I saw this movie and I realized this movie's you're right JJ I, this movie is uh if this movie was on Netflix or something I would probably if I didn't have anything to watch I wouldn't mind putting this on again and getting some new details out of it that I missed before uh I would say I've I've enjoyed Kevin Smith's journey. Uh, and he's still going. Thank God. Uh, I, I think this is one of his better ones, better well written. Uh, I was getting 77. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, I like it. It, it, as much as I did when I was younger, it still holds up and yeah, I, I laughed a lot. And I think I will probably rewatch this again as long as the YouTube version that we watched is still up. If it's, you know, something I'll revisit again. And maybe I'll revisit again sooner than I than I'll realize. Just I don't know. I, I, I think I rediscovered my affection for this for this movie. So um well, hopefully they figure that out and they can get it redistributed or something because I know it's bullcrap. It's not fair. Like I actually was listening to a sort of sort of really sad uh, po- it was either a podcast or some cast with Kevin Smith, and he said like right before the whole Weinstein incident broke out, he like got a call from him, and he was just like, "Oh, we should do like another Dogma or something like that." That movie was great, and they were like reminiscing about it, and it's just like, "Oh, this guy's such a terrible guy," but it, like he he basically he he like was. Uh, I guess a friend to Kevin Smith and, and like Kevin Smith like believed in him and that just sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like it <laughs> talking about faith of... and belief, you know, that just sucks to I put know. your faith in the wrong person. And I really hope that they can find a way like Miramax can figure out a way to get this thing redistributed um, so that it can it... get a proper Blu-ray or 4k release and people can get on with this movie. Cause I think honestly, like, like we were just saying, it, it might be one of the best Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, I think a lot of people liked it at the time, and maybe I hope people haven't really forgotten about it. But if they did, it's because its movie is nowhere to be found, and yeah, it's unfortunate because a lot of things we we really like from the '90s and uh, you know like afterwards. But a lot of those independent movies, unfortunately, the Weinstein's had their hands on, and it it you know, it's like we shouldn't let it taint. The, that entertainment for us is just, you know, it's un, it's unfortunate. I do wonder how the younger generation view Kevin Smith, because he's he is a he's he's someone who's always been in the entertainment sphere, and now he really kind of comments on superhero stuff. Sometimes he'll direct like an episode of Supergirl. I think he's doing the new He Man. He's always like crying at like the season finale of of uh, Flash or something. So, and but I'm like, I I'm. I wonder if the generation behind us or even our gener well I'm sure our generation knows how how big of an impact he had in the 90s like are we all from I, Jersey are we all from New Jersey Yeah 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 uh, even bigger impact for us I yeah, guess right so, yeah, yeah. I, I like that this is you know they're going to like you know Red Bank and uh, <laughs> um you know yeah, uh, Leonardo and like, like all these places I've, I've actually been to I thought that was pretty funny. And if they walk past the crappiest welcome to New Jersey sign at, at one point in the movie, I will say too, um, 
yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize that Linda Florentino and Kevin Smith did not necessarily get along, according to uh, Keith's notes. But I, I wouldn't have known because I did think she gave a really good performance in this, and I, I really liked her, her, her character's arc especially. Um, so uh, that was like one last thing I wanted to throw in there. Uh, so my, my percentage score will be, I think higher. I think I'm gonna give it like an 82. Nice, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what, too? Well, Keith calculates that. I will say, too, that uh, during the train scene, the joke that made me laugh the hardest as a kid is at the end of that train scene when uh, after he throws, after Silent Bob throws the angels out the train, the one guy's looking at him and he goes, no ticket. That was, for some reason, a howler for me. Well, that's uh, the only time he spoke no. in the film, right? I think he says thanks at the end when Rufus promises to put in a good word for them. I think Kevin Smith also was not, uh, he, was, he was, I think, gives a good performance in this too, especially when he's carrying Bethany at the end. Um, so what what is our score there? It is 79.6. Very nice. Okay, so I can officially decree that on Dogma, we are siding with the audience. Nice. Good job, audience. Yeah, I think they got it right. And I'm curious, too, if someone... I mean, obviously, we're doing like a retrospective retake, but if people were to rediscover this movie, I don't think there's... I, I think it's it still holds up. I think there's still a lot of very relevant things that are said that, that people hopefully can rediscover about this. Yeah, there's definitely a few jokes that are of its time, but I, I do think that there are still discussions to be had. Um, a lot of like you were saying, a lot of great philosophy that's the center of being thrown around that you don't get in a lot of, you know, modern productions, uh, even when they're faith-based. And most times you get <laughs> something like uh, God's not dead, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the other side is... I was thinking, too, like comparing it to super aggressively anti-religious movies, but then, yeah, you have, you have the other side of the spectrum, too. Yeah, that's true. You, you get both... You get both you get I both just think a more uh, Da Vinci Code. Like it, 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 instead of like, you know, it's dealing with like yeah, but Jesus. Da Vinci Code. Like Imagine Ron Howard directed Dogma. <laughs> oh my God. Well, like the thing is, Da Vinci Code, the movie has no sense of humor about itself at all. And it, that was probably like one of the most boring movies I'd ever yeah, seen. Yeah, no, but I, or I, like I wanted to, the only reason why I'm comparing it is like, I, I know you said it was boring and I, I would probably agree, but in terms of entertaining religious movies that don't have like that isn't like god's not dead or anything like that it's like just solely like here's the plot give tom hanks a bad haircut and you know let him solve puzzles like thriller yeah it's right. it's it's sort of like and maybe it's definitely more you know about religion dogma but like a movie like say like feel the dreams you know where it it sort of speaks to spirituality Less so than like film. That's God, that, and that's and that's Christ, and you gotta build that field because that's you know that's what you're. Obviously, it's sort of what they're saying in a, in a sense, and it, it's it's a little it's a little religious, but it's not it's not like forcing it in your face. It's disguised enough to fool people <laughs> into not getting upset. So what yeah. you're saying in Field of Dreams too, when after they build the field, the out of the cornfield comes Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> that would make for a, that would definitely make for a sequel i would watch call it, it field and nightmares uh so uh thank you bobby for for joining us on this discussion always a pleasure having you on always always fun to be talking with you both it is yeah yeah 
for sure. And you know what? Uh, you know, we mentioned this movie is kind of hard to find, so maybe we could share the link to the the YouTube version of this or something. I don't know. Get you could find it. It's not hard That's to find. That's true. Actually, on YouTube. We, we could. I think if you type in on YouTube, Dogma Full Movie 1999, like it's real or something. And like the, the thumbnail <laughs> is of like like the friendly Jesus statue. Like what what did they call it? Buddy um, Christ. Buddy Christ. Buddy That's Christ. like the thumbnail. That's the whole movie. At least as of right now, it's still up there. So go check out uh, Dogma if you haven't seen it in a while. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening as always. Um, and uh, check us out for more Divided Films soon. Thank you.